This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Joining us on the line, legendary, legendary wrestling announcer, Jim Ross, Jr., who's got a new book, Under the Black Hat. Uh, he's just left the WWE, as you may know. He's now with All Elite Wrestling. And, uh, well, he is the famed announcer that uh, has come to typify this sport of behemoths. Jr., how you doing? How you keeping these days? I'm good, John. How are you doing? I'm all right. No complaints. You know, although I got to ask, because you got a book out now under the black hat, and that's really, that's your symbol. That's part of your brand and everything. But it came on the heels of another book you wrote a couple of years back called Slobber Knocker, My Life in Wrestling. And uh, we were wondering, what is Slobber Knocker? <laughs> Slobber Knocker is an old Southern American football term that uh, originated before the, the football players wore face masks. So their faces were uncovered, unprotected. So the, as the legend goes, if hit somebody in the face hard enough, the drool, i.e. the slobber, <laughs> would be knocked out of their mouth. So slobber knocker is an old football term that identifies with a very heavy hit. I got you. Well, all right. See, these are the things that you're known for as well. I mean, the terms, the turns of phrase and things like that. I was watching, by the way, just a, a whole sort of uh, – lineup of different things that were being said about you when you were inducted into the world wrestling uh hall of fame i guess it was in 2007 and uh the testimonials that the people like the stuff the turns of phrases you like sean michaels getting whipped like a government mule uh are running like a scalded dog i mean this just comes off the the tongue uh, naturally i mean uh based on your own upbringing in the south or do you actually think about these in advance well uh, no i did most of them are Part of my childhood and my adolescence, I, I was very lucky to have a mom and a dad in the home uh, to, to raise me. And with, in that same breath, I also had two very uh, talkative uh, grandfathers who always tried to one-up the other with their tall tales. So a lot of those little cliches that I heard, you know, I said somebody, I say somebody's goofier than a pet coon. Well, that means I, I actually had a pet coon. Uh, begrudgingly, my father hated it because you, you can't. He said, "Son, you can't domesticate a pet coon." A coon. And uh -huh. so, just life experiences, you know. Uh, quite frankly, running like a scalded dog, all that stuff. There was a story behind all those things, and I just brought them with me into this wacky world of pro wrestling. Well, you know, it just uh, it seems so natural and glib. I mean, that's all part of your attraction here and your popularity. Uh, what would you say is the key then to your becoming legendary? I guess you kind of fell into it by accident, but it really evolved around you or with you at the time. What's the key for anybody who might want to do play-by-play -play and things like that? I think that you've always got to strive to get better and never rest on your laurels. I'm a big, uh, John, I'm a big uh uh, I'm, not an, I'm not an advocate of the comfort zone. I think that the comfort zones that we find in our lives uh, are more of a detriment than they are an asset. Because when you stop growing, to me, you start dying, you know, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. So same thing goes for our relationships, in my view, our jobs. When you get comfortable and you do the same thing over and over, like making widgets or something, uh, you start to slide back a little bit. So I think the, the, the constant desire to improve your game is what uh, has helped me a lot. And the fact that I try to be a never put a character, I've never used another name, it's just always been me, for better or for worse. So I think being oneself and trying to always get better are two secrets to my success. And the name is Jim Ross, the voice of wrestling. 
The book is Under the Black Hat. Uh, he's now with All Elite Wrestling. By the way, uh, you know, when you talked about having to face certain challenges and it makes you stronger, the easy stuff makes you soft. You had your ups and downs with Vince McMahon, with WWE. It was kind of a, was it a love-hate relationship? I mean, you got to leave on your own terms, so that must have been at least bittersweet, no? Yeah, uh, I would, I'm hesitant to use the term hate because, golly, there's just so much of that in our world right now, and hate the virus we hate a lot of americans hate the president and i'm not defending any of the, the politics i'm not a political guy but uh, hate's a tough word we disagreed philosophically on a lot of things and uh you know it's like having a different game plan for a to get when you're on the ice or when you're playing football or, or any other sport i i thought the product should be positioned in one way he thought it should be positioned in another way quite often. So sometimes we didn't agree there. And because I had such a great relationship with Vince, I was one of the few guys there that could actually disagree with him. You just never disagreed with him in public. And you never disagreed with him in a group. But one-on-one, -on -one, he and I had some great discussions, great debates. And so I, I never hated Vince. I don't hate him now. Uh, you know, he, he helped feed my family. Uh, set me up for a great retirement if, I, if that day ever comes, which is not too likely. So uh, it was a unique, it was it was a combustible relationship. And uh, but I learned a lot working for him. So I don't want to leave there with uh, all this bad feelings. And I say this all the time, John. When I leave my house now in Oklahoma, uh, I don't have any room in my carry-on for negativity. So I try to, you know, I lost my wife in March of seventeen an unnecessary car accident from a, a teenage driver that wasn't paying attention. And so I, I try to get past all that stuff and live every day to its fullest. And it sounds like a motivational speaker. I'm not. It's just how I choose to live my life. We can either we can make a choice to be happy or not. And my choice right now in my life is to be happy and to be very grateful for my all the good things that have come my way. You've had a lot of them. Uh, just looking at the CV here or the resume, I mean, uh, you're doing not just the wrestling announcement uh, stuff, but also, uh, you, you know, you did a bit in a movie uh, I remember seeing not too long ago. Uh, I mean, Jim Carrey playing the role of Andy Kaufman. You were actually uh, the announcer in that from Memphis, I think, is where it was based, eh? in Man on the Moon, uh, the Andy Kaufman story. I mean, what was that like? Jim Carrey was apparently kind of, he weirded out during that filming of the whole thing. Did you get that sense? <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I, I signed so many great Canadian athletes, contracts in WWE that I knew that all Canadians weren't crazy. Uh, but Jim, <laughs> Carrey, Jim Carrey might be the exception to that rule. He had a, he had a thing on his, uh, he, had a, he, had a, he had a rule, and that rule was nobody could call him Jim or Mr. Carrey. He insisted and demanded be called Andy or Mr. Kaufman. And if you called him anything else other than Andy or Mr. Kaufman, he didn't react. He didn't respond. And uh, he, he was a unique cat, no doubt about that. But uh, I thought he, he did an amazing job of capturing what he perceived to be the character of, of Andy Kaufman, who was a, a, a very brilliant comedian and comedic actor. Uh, so it was a fun experience, to say the least. My old partner, Jerry Lawler, was playing himself in it. So it was a it was a fun thing for a, a country boy to actually be in a, on a on a movie, and uh, it was it was a it was I'm glad I got to do it. It was a, it was a really cool deal. 
Well, that was the interesting thing, because, yeah, Kerry never broke character as Andy Kaufman, even in the uh, spat that he had with Lawler. Now, Jerry is one of your closest friends, from what I understand. Uh, was that feud real? Because Lawler, he asked Lawler to hit him on the Letterman show, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jerry, if anybody goes back and watches the clip of that film, and you see that one scene, he insisted that Lawler, oh, he said, you have to treat me just like you did Andy. <clears throat> and on the David Letterman show, of course, uh, uh, Lawler slapped the taste out of uh, the real Andy Coffin's mouth, a slobber knocker, if you will. And then, uh, and then when they did the scene, Lawler said, I had all this anger and frustration because of Andy being a jerk during the show, during the, the filming, that he said, I really laid it in. So if you go back and watch it ever again, there was no, uh, there was no retakes. It was a one-take Jake situation and Lawler made uh, gave Andy uh, gave Jim Carrey something uh, to remember from that from that particular scene without a doubt <laughs> <laughs> and enjoyed the moment uh, with JR the voice of wrestling uh, under the black hat is the book by the way uh, you know I guess there's a hiatus right now there's no crowds and uh, wrestling really relies on the energy from the crowd how's it going to work in a time of COVID-19 JR challenging John it's very challenging you know <clears throat> we uh we, we produce every Wednesday, and our show is live on Wednesday nights on TNT, and, and I don't know what's going on in, in Canada. I can't, uh, I'm not versed on what we, where we are. I know we, we have a lot of great fans in Canada because I get tweets and communication, social media stuff from them all the time. Uh, but it was, it's tough. It's challenging. You, I, as an old broadcaster trick, I ride my levels pretty high. I have to talk louder to get over uh, the noise, uh, the ambient noise, and I and I'm a monitor guy. I don't watch the crowd when I, I never watch the crowd much. Even when there was a packed house, you you, you live with your monitor because what you you know the wrestlers always create music. It may not be the music you want to hear, but it's their music. So it's incumbent upon the broadcaster to provide the lyrics to that music. And in order to do that, I don't need to be gazing around the crowd looking for a pretty girl which is not a bad thing, uh, but I watch that monitor, man. And so now I'm hunkered down, and I watch the monitor. I ride my levels and try to bring the same enthusiasm that I would if we did have people there. So, And who the heck knows? You know, our, Everybody that comes in our uh, set has got to have passed the, the, uh, the, the COVID virus test. And, and tomorrow, by the way, I'm, gonna, I'm getting my seventh test since uh, early May. So we're very careful who's on the set. They've got to have a wristband on. It shows they pass a drug test by our doctors. And so tomorrow I'll be giving more blood This is for the seventh time. Uh, the hmm. temperature thing is easy. But uh, we're just being careful. I'm the, hey, I'm 68 years old, man. I, I'm in the high-risk group. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this thing is real. You know, my, I have two granddaughters, John, that, uh, that lost their other grandpa of the COVID virus. He died on Easter Sunday. So it's real, folks. And wearing a mask, I'm a big proponent of the mask. It's so simple. And why we have a society of defiant individuals uh, that knows no boundaries as far as country or state or whatever, province, whatever it may be, some people just don't want to wear the mask because they think they're giving up some rights. I find that to be really, really stupid, quite frankly. You don't need to protect yourself, and more importantly, perhaps, you're protecting other people around you. So the only time I take my mask off or when I'm on the set is uh, when we go on the air, and like it's kind of hard to talk to the mask, but nonetheless, <laughs> I'm, 
it's a, it's a challenging deal in a lot of areas, but we're making the best of it. We have a huge show this week. You know, it's uh, one we've been working on for quite some time, and so it's 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 a it's still a fun gig for me. I'm having a blast around all these young kids. You just get I tap into their youthful enthusiasm. I'm the yeah. oldest dude on the on the roster. I'm uh-huh. the senior advisor of the company. But I'm the oldest guy there, so I, I enjoy plugging into their enthusiasm. Again, JR is with us, a legendary wrestling voice uh, on AEW, which uh, Dynamite Wednesday nights is on TSN2 here in Canada. I was apprised now at 8 o'clock, so you know. Let me ask you, I mean, uh, I know we we want to have some fun here, but uh, on a serious note, because race has played such a huge role in everything else as a subtext, is does it permeate wrestling too? Does it enter the, the, the ring in wrestling, the racism thing? I don't think, that no matter our vocation, that we can escape or get into an area where there's no racism. Uh, and it's, it's sad to say that. That's just, that's my opinion. Uh, it's a lot better now than it was when I got into the business in the 70s. In the 70s, the pro wrestling business was run exclusively by Caucasian alpha males. And they had an unwritten, unspoken, uh, uh, you know, in public, that only these wrestling territories could only have one or two max African-American uh, wrestlers. And they didn't write it down, but that was, a, that was a discussion. And I worked for a promoter, Bill Watts, who we had a booker that wrote the storylines and executed things like a, like a coach, and named Ernie Ladd, who was an African-American, former mm-hmm. professional football player and wrestler. Uh, and we had a top, our top hero was a junkyard dog who was also African-American. And that got some consternation on Watts from some of his peers, because I've been involved in those conversations, they said, you're going to ruin our business. And that's how bad it was back in those days. But it's a whole lot better now. There's a lot more opportunities for African-Americans and other minorities. And and also, especially for women. You know, back in the old days, you have little women would come through about once or twice a year for a week or so, and you'd see them then, and off they'd go. You'd see them again a year later or whatever. Now we have, and everybody, you know, WWE's done a good job with theirs as well, where women are a major part of the roster. So I think it's getting better, but do we have a long way to go to help continue to improve the, the conditions and the opportunities? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but it's, a, it's something we're all aware of. I'm a big Black Lives Matter guy. You know, I'm a Native American. I'm Cherokee Indian, and, uh, and my great-grandfather married a full-blood Cherokee Indian. And uh, he got criticized by his peers, his neighbors, the other farmers there in Oklahoma, for marrying, quote-unquote, out of his race. So I've been accustomed to this for years, even though there were no African-Americans that lived in my county. So I understood racism at an early age, never liked it, thought it was horrible. So it was a, it's, it's something we all got to be concerned about. we got a lot, we got a lot of ground to make up, I'll tell you that. JR, I've uh, got to let you go, but before I do, again, the book is under the black hat. Uh, he's the legendary voice of wrestling with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, you had other books as well, and i got to ask you as a parting question, uh, because I know you're big in a barbecue sauce and uh, doing the barbecue. What's the key to a good barbecue sauce? Oh, golly. Well, you know, there's, there's so many good sauces out there. Uh, my sauce uh, from jrsbbq.com is... Uh, my mother and my late wife's recipe. My mother created it. My wife refined it. 
so it's it's that. I think it, it you don't you need a little bit of uh, bars of gluten free, all those good things, but it's got to be rich. I, I like a rich sauce, and I like to have a little kick to it, a little personalities. I would say, but it can't dominate the, the the what you're grilling or what you're smoking. You can't you can't you can't overcome the flavor of the product that you're that you're preparing. So, I like the richness. I like a little sweet, but with a little bit of afterbite. And I think that's what we have in our product. Sounds good. Can't wait to try it. Listen, uh, I appreciate your weighing in uh, this afternoon and uh, always watch these matches. Uh, love your take uh, on the, the sport. And obviously, it's something that uh, you've embraced and uh, made your own. Uh, Under the Black Hat is the book. Jim Ross is the voice of wrestling. And uh, you knew him as a famed WWE announcer as well. A real pleasure. Uh, stay well, stay healthy, and uh, somewhere down the road, hope to talk again. Me too, John. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Great fans in Canada. They've always been supportive of me, and I'll always be grateful for that. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 